My name is Wade. I am one of the pastors here, along with Pastor Jesse. And um, we're going through the book of Proverbs. And uh, in just a few moments, we're going to read through this, the passages in your bulletin. And um, bef- as we go into that, I want to um, share a story with you. And this story begins on September 26th, the year 2000. There's a ferry boat in named the Express Semina. Do you guys hear some, uh, check, check. Am I good? All right. You're not? All right. I'll keep talking and then our awesome AV crew is going to figure this out. I want to thank those who uh, do the sound. Um, September 26, 2000. In Greece, a ferry boat named the Express Semina left for its roots and it was going to go through several islands in the Aegean Sea. And the ferry departed from a port with 533 people on earth, on, on board. And uh, just after 10 p.m., as it was approaching the, one of the ports, there were strong winds that were, that were pushing the boat along. The ferry was placed on autopilot, and the captain, he trusted the systems of the ship enough to put it on autopilot, and he just went off, and uh, he didn't pay attention, and because the ship was placed on autopilot, he didn't notice that the ship was off by two degrees, and because of the winds, the ship went way off course, and it hits a coral reef. Uh, it, hit, it hit one of the reefs on, the, one of the, on one of the islands, and a huge crack developed in this ferry. And almost immediately, the boat started sinking. And within 25 minutes, the ship was completely sunk. There was chaos and panic. And in the end, 81 people lost their lives because of this accident. Because the rudder was two degrees off. 81 people died. And what does this have to do with what we're talking about today? Today we're talking about words from the book of Proverbs. And we're concluding the, we're concluding our, sorry, you know what, let me, I apologize, this is a little bit distracting. I'm going to speak into the mic, is that cool? Alright, I'll turn this off. Um, one of the things about sound issues is you don't really notice them, um, until you hear them, and it makes you appreciate the people that are doing sound because they work hard. So I want to appreciate uh, June and Marshall, Peter, Daryl do, do sound as well. So thank you guys so much for that. I'm going to kind of restart because that was a little bit distracting for me as well. Um, uh, the ship sank, and um, because the, the, the rudder was off by two degrees, and there is something in this story that is reflected in the Bible. The book of James, it says this. Look at the ships also. Though they are not so, though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. And this is from James 3, talking about the power and the danger of the tongue. He continues, how great a force is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed, and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. 
This is the power of our tongue. This is something telling us that what we say matters. What leaves our mouth, there is life and death in them. And today, as we go through the book of Proverbs, we're going to talk about the power of the tongue, the power of our words. And we're concluding our series in the book of Proverbs today. And um, the past few messages have been relational in nature. Last week we talked about anger and uh, how this affects our relationship. Today we are talking about our words because the primary way that we relate to people are through words. So I'm going to read through several passages from the book of Proverbs. This is kind of an overview of um, the significance of words in the book of Proverbs. I'm going to talk, I'm going to actually refer to several other passages in the Bible, some including Proverbs that are not in today's bulletin or on the screen, but let's read through God's word and hear what the writer of Proverbs has to say, starting with chapter 10, verse 19. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters slander is a fool. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, and the heart of the wicked is of little worth. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of sense. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. By the mouth of a fool comes a rod for his back, but the lips of the wise will preserve them. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirits. To make an apt answer is a joy to a man, a word and a word in season how good it is. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. From the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. And this is the word of God. And as we conclude this series in the book of Proverbs, I want us to see today that we need to be wise in our speech, that we need as Christ followers to to speak with a godly wisdom. And as Christ followers, we're given a power to speak words of life. So instead of the usual three points, I'm going to be a little bit ambitious. I have five shorter points. And the first point is this, that words are necessary. The second point is this, that words are powerful. The third, words can bring life. The fourth, words reflect the hearts. And number five, God gives us his word. So let's talk about the necessity of words, our first point. So there is a very theological foundation for our communication with other people. Did you know that? Communication has been happening through all eternity. One of the really unique and amazing things about the God that we worship is that he is a triune Godhead, meaning that He God is one God with three persons in the Godhead. From all of eternity, from all of time, there have been three persons within the Godhead. And what have they been doing for all eternity? They have been 
communicating with each other. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There has been delight. They've been speaking, communicating, expressing their love for each other. And the implications of this are profound, and I hope that one day we'll be able to preach through this or teach on it more fully. But as it relates to our topic today, what it means is this, that we too are relational creatures because God himself is a relational being. And we as relational creatures reflect this about this reflect this is a reflection of who God is. And the ability to speak is one of the ways that we reflect the image of God. We're the only creature on earth that has a way of communication that is ordered. We can verbalize our thoughts. There is precision to the way that we communicate that does not exist anywhere else in all creation. And this is why the way that we speak is so important. Because you not only hurt or bless people with your words, but how you speak or how you don't speak, whether or not you even have God on your mind in the moment, either honors or dishonors your creator. So there is the theological foundation for the fact that we can speak because God speaks. You as an image bearer of God can speak just as he does. And words are the primary way that we relate to others. There's a there's the matter of information transfer, but there's also the relational aspect. You cannot know someone unless there is communication. You cannot Reveal yourself unless you use words. There is no relationship without communication. You cannot make friends with people without speaking to them. Words are how you make yourself known. What are the things that you value? What matters to you? Who do you worship? What upsets you? What brings you joy? Words are necessary to communicate these to other people. And if you're around young children, you know exactly why words are so important. Because let's say that there's a child crying um, and you want to know how you can comfort them. If they're old enough, you're going to ask them, use your words, tell me what's happening If you don't use your words, you do not know what is happening. Our faculty to speak is a gift and responsibility given to us by God so that we would reflect his image primarily. And words are necessary. And in the context of Indelible Grace Church, this is what it means. Um, I, as a pastor of Indelible Grace Church, I'm not speaking to other churches right now. I'm speaking to us. And here is one of the things that I and maybe you, many other people have also noticed is we tend to be a little bit more passive. We don't speak as much. We don't externalize. Um, and I'm totally guilty of this as well because honestly, I'm a prayer speaking, but I don't like to talk. Um, I'm, I'm, by nature, I'm um, shy and introverted. Uh, most of the thoughts I have never make it. Never, no one, ever, most people don't hear them. Um, I don't enjoy talking, honestly. Uh, in certain situations, I find it mentally draining to converse with people sometimes. And this is um, when I when I say these things, I'm preaching to myself primarily. But I know that there are some of us like me in this room where. There are things that we should be saying that we don't say. Sometimes we need to speak up, and we don't. And it's necessary for us to speak for, uh, I'm going to list three reasons right now. There are more, but let me just list three. The first is this, because others need us to speak. Others need us to speak. And we'll talk about this more in just a few moments, but just a few quick initial thoughts. We need to speak up for someone if they're being mistreated or abused. 
people around me have been hurt because I did not speak up when I sensed that something was wrong. We need to speak up because people are dying for affirmation and validation. People need to know that you value them. People need to know that you think certain, that there are not just some, some warm body, but there is a value to them. And you communicate that value to them in how you speak to them. We need to speak up because relationships will shrivel if we don't. If you're into music, there are a couple songs later on. Go on after the Super Bowl, maybe. Um, go on YouTube and listen to these songs that express what the lack of communication does to relationships. Um, communication by the Cardigans. This came out like 15 years ago. This is such a good song about a relationship dying because one person will not talk. Um, if you're into country music, Carly Pierce has a song called We Don't Fight Anymore. Same thing. They can express these truths better than I can. Um, We need to speak because others need it. Some of us seem cold and aloof and people want to get to know us, but because we don't share our thoughts, because we don't initiate conversation, because we don't value speech, people think that we're not interested and people think that we're cold and aloof because we don't share about our own life. We're depriving people of a relationship with us when we don't speak. So that's the first reason I think that we should speak, why it's necessary for us to speak. The second reason is this. Not only do other people need to hear you speak, you need to speak for your own sake. Because speaking, in general, if if you're a thoughtful person, if you're an adult Speaking forces you to formulate your thoughts. It forces you to give shape to the things that you're feeling inside. If you feel a certain way about someone or something, you can't really say that you really feel that way until you can articulate why. Speech forces you to engage with your emotions, your feelings, and it forces you to say things in a way that makes sense, as is intelligible to other people. Speaking is necessary for our own sake because there is something deeply humanizing about it. In general, it helps us define who we are and what it is that we stand for. If we can be articulate rather than vague, not just in our verbiage but also in our personality, if we want to be someone who has a life that matters, there needs to be definition to our words and actions. So other people need our words, we need our own words, And finally, in the context of Indelible Grace Church, we need speech and words because the church needs it. Listen to this passage from Ephesians 4. Rather than, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We need speech. We need to speak up. Sometimes when it's uncomfortable, sometimes when it's really inconvenient, because we're commanded to, as a church, as members of Indelible Grace Church, you have a responsibility to speak the truth in love to others. Sometimes someone needs an encouraging word. Sometimes someone needs a rebuke. Sometimes they need comfort. Sometimes they need to be spoken with in a difficult way. And this is what happens in the church. This is how God designed it. We are to communicate, speak the truth in love. 
We see this in one of the passages that we read. He who conceals has hatred. He who conceals his hatred has lying lips, and whoever spreads slander is a fool. We speak the truth rather than lying. We don't just flatter people. We also speak difficult things sometimes. So this is the necessity of words. Other people need it. You need it. And the church needs it. Our second point, our words are powerful. One of the, past, one of the verses we read, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Words are the flesh to our thoughts. Whatever it is that you are feeling, the way that you speak, that is your th- those are your thoughts clothed so that other people can experience them. And the writer of Proverbs, it, it, he says what he says has so much truth and meaning because we all know this intuitively. If someone speaks well of you, doesn't it feel good? Doesn't it feel very dignifying and honoring and humanizing? And if someone speaks ill of you, has it ever crushed you? Has it, has it made you feel like less of a person? This is what he means when he says death and life are in the power of the tongue. Some of us speak careless words and people are deeply offended and hurt. 1218, it says this, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. There is no such thing as a harmless word. This passage, it says, sometimes you can say things just off the cuff and it hurts someone. And you can say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. But that person will remember. And if you were to stab someone, you can take the sword out, but the wound is going to be there. And this is what the writer of the of Proverbs is saying. These sword thrusts, when you jab at someone, when you critique, when you criticize someone unfairly, when you speak ill of someone, you're stabbing them. And there is a wound, and they will bleed. There are no such things as harmless words, and this is why it's so important for us to tame our tongues, like James says in chapter 3. 15.4, a gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks its spirit. Words can break someone's spirit. If you want to hurt someone, if you want to traumatize them perhaps, I don't want to use that word too uh, loosely or too... um, Thoughtlessly, but if you want to hurt someone and inflict pain that will last for years or decades, say something mean. That's what words will do. It will break, they will break the spirits. So therefore, the wise person knows when to restrain his or her words. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. That's one of the verses we read. The wise person knows when to restrain his words. There should be an economy to our words. There should be a an adult way of us of how we think about our words. Um, what this passage is telling us is not that you should not speak. Um, some of us are by nature more talkative, and that's totally fine. It's not telling us not to talk a lot if you do talk. Um, but what it's telling us is this, that, is that we should be wise whenever we do talk. Some of us say something and we feel the need to add commentary that's unnecessarily critical of others. Some of us feel the need to let everyone know what we think. 
And we don't practice discretion in our sharing. Some of us, we don't synthesize our thoughts, and there's an ambiguity to the way that we speak. Some of us talk so much that our words lose their effectiveness. People get tired of listening to us. If everything is important, then nothing is important. If everything is an emergency, then nothing is an emergency. Therefore, the wise person knows when to restrain his or her words. Our third point, words can bring life. And I'm going to um, go through a few of these principles that we see in the book of Proverbs so that we can speak in life-giving ways. And there are multiple. I'm just going to go through a a few. Um, 1217, a truthful witness gives honest testimony. We bring life to other people when we tell the truth. When we tell the truth, when we say this is reality, and for your sake, for your good, I will tell you what is true about the situation. I will tell you the truth about what is happening, what I see happening in you. That is a life-giving, if even if it's painful, a life-giving way that we use our words. Another way that we use, we bring life to others. 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath. You speak gently. This is the way that the wise person speaks. What does it mean to be gentle? Does it mean to speak softly? Does it mean to skirt around the issue? Does it mean that we just speak to someone in a way that makes them feel cuddly inside? This is not what the writer of Proverbs is communicating. There's another passage in Proverbs. It's not in today's text, but let me read it to you. This is what it says. With patience, a ruler may be persuaded, and a soft tongue will break a bone. Let me read that again. A soft tongue will break a bone. How does a tongue break a bone? This is how. Is when you can identify the thing in someone, a thought process or some faulty way of behaving or thinking, that is the bone that needs to be broken. And yet you can do it with a soft tongue. And how does that work? How does it work? Have you ever had someone come up to you and tell you something that you knew was true, um, but you didn't receive it? You didn't want to listen to it? The reason why I didn't want to listen to it is because of the way that person communicated it. It's because you did not sense in them a love. You did not sense in them a care and concern. Rather, what you sensed in them was critique. What you sensed in them was, was maybe you thought they wanted to belittle you or hurt you or bring you down. That is not how the wise person speaks. When the writer of Proverbs says that we speak with gentleness, he's saying this. You can speak firmly. You can perhaps sometimes raise your voice to get your point across. But what you do is you attack the bone that needs to be broken. You don't attack the person. And this is so important because you can say things to someone that you know are true. You know for a fact, 100% you are correct. But if you mock that person, if you belittle that person, if you critique that person, if you cut that person down, that person is not going to change. That person is not going to change. The way that you break the bone that needs to be broken is with a gentle answer. A soft tongue will break a bone. So the principle is this. The goal should always be to either strengthen the relationship or you speak in a way that builds the other person up. For their good. 
Another way that we use our words in a way that gives life is by using the appropriate means of communication. Uh, 10 verse 32, the lips of the righteous know what is fitting. Another passage, a word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. What does that mean? It means that there are things that we say that may be true, and this goes along with um, what I said earlier about being gentle, is you find the right time to say things, you find a way to say things to this person that they can understand and hear. And we all hear things, we all process information differently. And in order to truly care for someone and love someone, you have to know them. You have to know how they receive information. You have to know what it is that makes them feel cared and valued for. This is what it means when it says a word aptly spoken. Aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. There is another verse in Proverbs, Proverbs 24, 26. It says, an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. And this is actually uh, one of, this is the only time in the Bible that mentions kissing someone on the lips. There are other instances of kissing in the Bible, but this is the only time that kissing on the lips is mentioned in the Bible. And one of the ancient commentators um, sheds light on why this is so significant is because Back in the day, in the in in military ranks, superiors and subordinates, they they it was very clear who was superior and who was subordinate because the superior was always above someone, the subordinate was always below someone in terms of their posture. But if you were to kiss someone on the lips, you're saying, "I'm equal with you, I am on the same rank as you, and we can understand each other." And the way when the Bible talks about us kissing each other on the lips, it's not physically kissing someone on the lips to make them know that you love them. It's speaking to them in a way that makes sense to them. It's our responsibility as a communicator to do everything we can to make sure that what we say is understandable and intelligible to the person we're speaking with. We need to adapt. We need to make sure we don't just say, well, I told you the truth, so you just figure it out on your own. No, sometimes it means that we walk with them Um, through difficult situations, and you say things in the right time when they can receive it. So we use appropriate means of communication. And finally, the way that we can be life-giving with our words is by speaking in a Christ-honoring way where God is at the center. And uh, some of you know of Jonathan Edwards, this preacher in the uh, 17th, 18th century, um, he was one of the main figureheads of the uh, revival in New England, and he has a, a document called his Resolutions, and he wrote these when he was really young. I think he was in his late teens or early 20s. Um, God used him in amazing ways throughout his life. Um, and he wrote resolutions for every aspect of his life, and he recognized that the way that he speaks to other people is so important to his, not just his ministry, but to every relationship that, he's ha- that he has. And let me read to you some of his resolutions. Resolved, never to say anything at all against anybody, but when it is perfectly agreeable to the highest degree of Christian honor and of love to mankind, agreeable to the lowest humility and sense of my own faults and failings, and agreeable to the golden rule. Often, when I have said anything against anyone, 
to bring it to and try it strictly by the best of this resolution. That's a lot of words. He's saying this. He will speak well of other people. And when he speaks of other people, he will be very conscious of his own faults as someone. He's not above anyone. Another one of his resolutions. Resolved in narrations never to speak anything but the pure and simple ver- not, not to, never to speak anything but with the pure and simple verity. Basically, he's saying, I'm going to speak what is true simply so you don't have any questions about what I'm saying. Resolved never to speak evil of any except I have some particular good call to it. Unless it's necessary, he will not speak ill of anyone. And finally, resolve, let there be something of benevolence in all that I speak. We can kill people. We can bring life to other people by how we speak. My fourth point, words reflect the heart. There's another passage in Proverbs that says this, a wise, man, a wise man's heart guides his mouth. A wise man's heart guides his mouth. Have you ever said anything that you regret? Um, pro- probably, I, I've said many things that I've regretted. And um, if you have paid attention to uh, kind of, you know, and nowadays that we live in a, a cancel culture where if you do anything wrong, um, you're gone. If, it's, if it goes on the internet, you're done for. Um, there's such an ungraciousness to the way that we've, we engage with others nowadays. But of course, if you do something wrong, if you say something wrong, what you have to do is you have to issue an apology, right? And so often in the, the apology, what you hear is this, is the words that I said do not reflect who I really am as a person. And whenever I hear that, hear that, I just roll my eyes. It doesn't matter what they say. It could be racist. It could be sexist. It could be whatever. Even if I can tend to, even if I tend to agree with what they say, I roll my eyes when they say that because what they say exactly reflects who they are. You would not say it unless it was in your heart. And this is what the Bible teaches. Jesus says this. He says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. The words that we speak show what is in our hearts. If we are evil, we will speak evil words. If we are good and kind-hearted, we will speak good and kind-hearted hearts. Good and, good and kind-hearted words. And this is why in James, again, it says this, No human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. We can flatter people. We can say things about other people or situations that make us seem like really good people. We're all very good at it. But when we're in the car alone, what are the thoughts you think? What are the words that you say if someone cuts you off? When you're with people that you feel safe with, what do you say about other people? When you are attacked or offended, what words come out of your mouth? Or what words are you about to say? This is exactly who you are. Our words say something about us. If you say something and it causes damage, you cannot say that you didn't mean it. Perhaps you didn't mean it on a surface level, but the words didn't come out of thin air. They came from somewhere. They came from somewhere. And the Bible says, it came from your heart. If you say mean things, I'm sorry, it's because you're a mean person. Perhaps you didn't... If you say, if you're always critical 
it's because you have a critical spirit. If you genuinely say kind things, it's because you're a kind person. If you cut people down, it's because there is murder in your hearts. Remember, remember the Sermon on the Mount. We're all such evil people. This is what the Bible says. If you ever catch yourself speaking in a way that degrades the person you're talking to or about, if your speech ever makes someone feel like less of a person, then we need to look at what is in our own hearts because your words will reveal your hearts. Your words are a reflection of your character. The words that you say are exactly a reflection of who you are. There is no such thing as a careless word that does not come from your hearts. The other thing about apologies that people issue is they say that this is not a reflection of who I am because they fear the consequences. And here is the truth. What you say is a reflection of who you are. And if you say bad things, it's a reflection of the evil in your heart. But that is not the only thing. We are not just the words that we say. We are the words that we say. We're not just the words that we say. There is hope, so what do we do? What do we do? Because if you want to be a person that speaks life-giving words to the people around you, you don't just change your patterns of speech. You don't just change your vocabulary or how you speak to people. There needs to be a heart change. And this is the gospel answer, the call to worship passage that we had earlier. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, The word was God. God is a God who speaks. And yet he sees us in our evil and in our sin. And he could have stayed silent. God was under no obligation to speak. And yet God speaks and speaks and speaks. And God could have spoke a word of judgment to us. He could have said, you are a sinner. You have offended me. And therefore you are guilty. You deserve damnation. You deserve hell. There can be no escape. You will have no chance of rescue. And all those things could have been completely true. And yet, when God sees us in our sin, in our evil, what word does he speak? Hebrews 1, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. This is the good word of God. Later on at the end of service, we always have the benediction. The benediction is broken down. The good word. And who is the good word of God? His son, Jesus Christ. And this is the gospel, is that... It's not a call for us to be good people. It's not a charge for us to live with Christ as an example so that we can follow his example. That is not ultimately the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is this, that our hearts are sick unto death, that we kill people with our words, that we offend God with the ways that we live, and yet God speaks Instead of a word of judgment, he speaks a word of grace to us. Jesus Christ is God's good word to us. And if we receive this gift by faith, if we repent of our sin, if we embrace Jesus as God's good word to us, 
we are changed. We are changed. It's so interesting how there's there are kind of these strange things that happen in the Bible um, that that are directly related to um, lips or, or our mouths. In Isaiah 6, if you remember, um, this prophet, he sees God in all his holiness, and he knows that he is nothing but a worm in the sight of God. And what do you say? Woe unto me, for I am a man of unclean lips. He knew that from his lips proceeded the evil in his heart. I'm a man of unclean lips, and yet God will redeem that in the book of Acts. When, when the gift of the Spirit falls on the church, they speak in tongues. There is a healing to the way that we speak when God gives tongues to the believers. In John 7, I'm going to end with this. We're given new hearts so that we can bless Jesus says this, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Do you want to be someone who has streams of living water flow from them? Do you want to be someone who will bless other people? Do you want to be someone who can speak, instead of a word of judgment and damnation, you do that. I do that. I speak words of damnation to people because I I don't speak with a good attitude. Do you want to be someone who can speak words of life and bless people? Do you want to be someone who is a light to the world? Do you want to be someone who speaks with a gracious speech that's seasoned with salt, as the Apostle Paul says? Do you want to be that person? Then believe the gospel and know that God's good word is for you and in you, and out of your heart will flow streams of living water. Will you pray with me? God, like the prophet Isaiah, we have to say, Woe is us, for we are a people of unclean lips. And yet we know that that is not the final word for us. The final word is Jesus Christ, and in him are all your promises. Yes and amen. And we can say that our ultimate identity is not one of a bully or a harsh person, but because we are in Christ, we, have, we are new creatures who can reflect the person of Christ in our lives. I pray that this would be true of us at Indelible Grace Church, will this be, we ask that this would be a place where you um, do your good work through the lips of your people. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.